Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, anybody here that's not here? Can you get here? You're trying. There's coffee. It's not working. I'm sorry. Don't know if I can help you pass that. If you're a bulletin reader and you have a bulletin, there are some verses that we're going to look at this morning as we look at the Word. And uh, today, you may have noticed that uh, my title is My Question. I want to just mention a couple of things before we jump in completely. Uh, Thank you to the staff who have covered over the last few weeks as we've been borderline in chaos. We're still kind of in chaos, uh, getting ready to move. And uh, so those who have helped us with any kind of packing, painting, all of that, getting our house ready... Thank you, thank you, thank you. Some of you are animals. Holy cow. I can't keep up with you. I'm too old. Um, The other thing I wanted to say was thanks to the staff, Tim and Pastor Derek, who is sitting here, who did a terrible job uh, imitating a Scottish accent last week. (laughs) I I love the way I got corrected, and everybody loved it. You know, it's like, I hate you. No, anyway, I'm all right. So, if you are visiting... Uh, If you're just new to us, we have been reading through together. In fact, let's put the Daily Bible, that book there. By the way, if you don't have one, we will get one to you. Uh, Start any time and just keep plowing. And I've been encouraged after saying it many times to keep saying it because it does encourage us. Keep reading wherever you're at. It doesn't matter how far behind. My wife, I said, was a thousand pages behind. How far now? 999. No, it's. No, she took a leap forward this week. She's a lot forward, so there you go. And what. Do I get. Mike, do I get prizes for being like on November 29th? Okay, forget it. And then last week, um, some of the things that Tim had to say, I got to hear his first sermon. I haven't heard the second one yet. Uh, But uh, Derek last week was mentioning some great stuff about the will of God, right? And uh, I was thinking as I was sitting there, I had one of my, I have a brilliant thought maybe once every decade, you know, and I had one. He was asking, how broad is the will of God, right? And you even referenced it at one point. It's as broad as the promises of God. Whatever promises God gives us, that's how broad his possibilities are for your life. How narrow is it? As narrow as the boundary of sin. And you said that, I think which was very good, as narrow as the boundary of sin. There's an... What do I hear? Somebody's phone? I'm not here. Anyway, yeah, there's... As far as the boundary of sin, one of the the great prophets once said, uh, of the church, said, um, love God and do whatever you want. Okay, that's the sermon. Everybody go home. Did you hear what I said? Love God, do whatever you want. If you really love God, you will do that which pleases Him because you love Him. Anybody married? Want to stay happily married? Are you happily married? You tend to want to do what pleases each other, correct? And that's the way it is when we love God. And so that should be true. So thank you for that uh, filling in. I do appreciate it so much. And we've been in a series on the Daily Bible and asking questions. So... 
I decided, um, especially after Derek last week said, what was the first bullet point? Anybody remember the first bullet point from last week? Christ's plan. <sighs> Christ's plan is total lordship over everything. Right? Isn't that what you said? If I'm lying, tell me. Everybody's so quiet. It's a bad week, right? Bad week. I know what happened. It turned cold. Winter's here. Winter's here. Aren't you glad? I, I don't know. I was tired of all that. But okay, that's just me. Total lordship over everything, which has an implication if you have ever memorized what we call incorrectly the Lord's Prayer. Anybody know the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, how? that's not the Lord's Prayer. That's the disciples' prayer. He gave it. Well, we call it the Lord's Prayer, right? It's a model prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh, thy will be done as it is in heaven. Thank you very much. On earth, so when I pray, do I want God's will on earth? Yeah, make sure it happens in heaven, God. You keep that orderly. But down here, let me be in control. You know, leave me alone. I got this. You get the idea. You can't pray that genuinely and not uh, get on the right track, really. So, anyway, I so appreciate some of the, some of the teaching that we've had. And uh, Pastor Tim was talking about being optional, things that are optional, right? I haven't gotten to that one yet, but we're going to have some fun with that. Before we start dump, jumping into today, um, I want to pray. Can we do that? Let's pray together. It would be fine with me, Lord, if you just walked in here today. Because then I could be quiet and sit down. And I would have no concerns about what was being spoken if you were speaking. Because whatever you say is true. And the words that you speak are life eternal. And some, for some reason, often in assemblies all over our land, but... Even here at times, we hear what is eternal truth and we yawn through it. So I'm asking today, God, that your Holy Spirit would quicken someone, that you would break the back of the enemy who has saturated us with unbelief. And maybe people wonder what I mean when I say that, but if I started giving examples, we'd be here all day. Deliver us. Break through the enemy's malaise and illumine our minds so that we see things from your perspective. Make us hungry. If the, if the non-believers on television can say, stay thirsty, my friend, for mere carnal stuff, how much more should disciples stay thirsty and hungry for words of life? and visitations of your spirit that transform. So today, Lord, I'm praying for the help of your spirit to illumine our minds. God, help us, help me, your uh, very weak and fragile servant today, to stay on task and speak words of life that encourage us. Build up your saints. 
get glory for your own namesake because that's why we're here ultimately. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And Lord, help both those things to be true, that we're glorifying him, glorifying you, and also enjoying you through the help of your Holy Spirit. Help me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, for all summer, I've been letting you guys ask questions from the Bible. I haven't gotten to all of them. Those of you who are particularly bitter about the fact that I didn't cover your question, I'm asking you to forgive. That was a little humor. I'm sorry. Um, Send it in again, because next year's coming, and I may even get to it in some of our series. Some of the questions that come out are coming up in the book of Hebrews when we get to that. And a few weeks out, we'll be uh, installing leaders, and we'll be celebrating some of that, and then we'll start in a Bible passage all the way through. Who knows how long it'll take? It took me two and a half years to go through the book of Ephesians up in Binghamton. So Hebrews shouldn't take us more than, what, seven? Something like that. But I've been fielding your questions, and I say it's time for you to answer my questions. How's that? I don't know if I really want you to answer them out loud, but I certainly want you to think about what the answers are. Okay? So you asked, I tried to answer... As I've been reading through the Daily Bible, and I hope this has been true for you, especially I remember when we started the Old Testament, people were talking to me left and right. Holy mackerel, did you see that passage? Yeah, I've seen it. Did you see what happened to those people? Imagine if that ever happened to us. Holy mackerel. The Old Testament's full of that. I hate to tell you, so is the New Testament. So... Some texts as I've been going through the New Testament, the Gospels again, and the book of Acts, which I'm in the life of Paul and the missionary journeys, some texts kind of been jumping out at me. Things about the disciples were filled with joy. Uh, I read this story that Paul and Silas got beat up for preaching the Gospel, illegally flogged, and that night... They were talking to their lawyer and trying to figure out how they could sue the snot out of that town, the administrators of that town, and they were mad. Oh, you didn't get to that part yet, huh? Anybody know what they were doing? They're in jail, in stocks, with their backs bleeding, by the way. They were flogged strongly. Says so. I mean their backs were bleeding. And they were doing what? Singing praises to God. And all the prisoners were like, what is with these wingnuts? Everybody's listening. They were filled with joy in giving praise to God. What is with that? They would pass on through a town and would say the disciples were all filled with joy. And the word of the Lord continued to spread. And so some text stood out to me so strongly and I decided I'm going to look at five verses today that kind of spoke to me jumped out at me. Some of them made me ponder and ask questions. And others, I don't know if I'll get to it this morning. I might have to save it for next week. Some of them spoke directly to me and made me feel bad. Do you know what I mean by that? Feel bad as in, in a good way, I was convicted. You need to think about this, Hawkman. You really do. 
So let's look at the first verse, if I could. It's Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Now, by the way, this is a great section right after Paul the Apostle is Saul. He is converted. Does anybody remember what Saul used to do before he became a Christian? He persecuted the church. So when that that happened, they were afraid of him, and the church was in turmoil, and there was persecution from higher authorities as well, Herod for one. But after Paul gets converted, there's a season of peace. And so it tells us the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria <clears throat> excuse me, were now left in peace, building themselves up and living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, they continued to grow. Now, let me do that again. Building themselves up. I want, after they were left in peace... I mean, we're not persecuted. It's getting rougher as time goes on. It is starting to get rough. Some of the things I preach could become illegal soon. I, if you do any thinking on this, you know that what I'm saying is true. I may go to jail. I will not back down. But I'm just saying it's getting rougher. However, at this point, thank God, we still have freedom to speak truth. So... We're similar to them. We're living in a season of peace. What were they doing? Building themselves up, living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, they continued to grow. Now, I thought about that. Let's look at those three words that are in there. Building themselves up, living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit. I think grow is self-explanatory. But these first words, let's look at, the, ver- uh, at the, the words, each one at a time. Building up, building. The word is, and, and I've, I've shared this before, oikodomeo, oikos. Anybody know what that is? It's a word for house, right? From which we get economy, the word economy. It's a family system. That's the oikos, domeo, from which we get domicile, the building up of my house. And so the church was building itself up in love, building themselves up. The second word is fear. Now, we all know as Christians, this only means respect. By the way, this isn't because of our conversation. Don't even think about it, right? Sometimes I talk with people and they think, I'm taking a pot shot at them. I don't do that, all right? Unless I take a pot shot at you, but I'm not. Fear is... Healthy respect, occasional what? Respect. The word is phobos, from which we get phobia. And uh, I get weary a little bit sometimes trying to correct wrong thinking. Well, that just simply means respect. Well, yeah, respect to the point of genuine, like, weakness of the knees occasionally, right? I am uh, moving into a new house. I've got a, a very interesting washing, uh, washroom, you know, for laundry room. That's what it's called, laundry room. I'm, I'm very sleep deprived, so bear with me, okay? If I kind of glaze over, just bring me back. I've got this washroom with no two, 110, 110 sockets in it, only one 220. I have a great deal of respect for 220 electricity. I have personally felt 110 a number of times. Ever grab a hold of two live wires? I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about electricity. 
220 will knock you across the room. I have a lot of respect for that. I don't respect 220 the way I fear God. Just to be clear, the New Testament, the saints, we say, oh, you know, non-Christians should fear God. They need to learn how to fear God. Christians don't have to fear God. Yes, in the absolute sense, thank God he has received us in the person of Jesus. You understand? You're accepted. However, the church in the book of Acts is all about believers who are accepted in the beloved. Everybody agree with me? That's who it's about. So there's this story, you may remember there was this story, the church was growing. They, had, they were getting public press, publicity, it was in the news, it was online, it was, that's a joke. They finally got on television, everybody's grandstanding, look what we're doing, we're serving the Lord. And people started giving to the poor in Jerusalem and they'd bring in, they'd sell their extra houses and properties, bring the money to the apostles, leave it at their feet. We're giving this to the kingdom and everybody's rejoicing. Whoa, these people are putting their money and their lives where their mouths are. This is awesome. And this couple come along named Ananias and Sapphira. And they say, look, look, we got like, you know, 50,000. What did they have then? Drachmas? Whatever they got for this property. But, you know, we do need a new Mercedes. So let's peel off the amount we need for the Mercedes. But we're going to grandstand in church when they have the altar call. We're going to go for, oh, Lord, here's what we got for our property. We give it to you. Thank you, Jesus. They actually conspired to con the church to look good. This is what you call image management, the worst thing you can do for your spiritual life, by the way. Too many of you are stuck in it. Image management. Oh, look how spiritual we are. Spiritual we are. And Peter hears from the Holy Spirit right on the spot and says, Ananias, anybody know the quote? Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the, the Holy Spirit? You're not lying to man, you're lying to God. He drops dead right on the spot. A couple hours later, in comes his wife. Oh, hi, Sapphira. How are things going? Oh, just wonderful. We're so happy to be serving the Lord. And you know, Did you give uh, all the value of your property to the church? For Oh, yes, we surely did. It was all the Lord's. Bye. Boom, she drops dead. The Bible says this. Great fear came upon all the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Do you think it was just, oh, I have healthy respect for that 220 electric? Let me tell you, those people were nervous going to church for a few weeks. I want to posit to you that one of the things that has rescued my soul and you need to ask God to give you is God put in my spirit, put in my DNA a genuine not only love, but fear of God. Who is he? Who is it that has chosen to befriend you? That's why the songs that we sing, Hast thou not seen how thy desires there have been granted in what he ordaineth? Is that a holy God that owes you nothing but destruction for eternity has made himself your friend? If you don't get that, there's something missing in your DNA. The fear of the Lord. And the last thing was, 
They were encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Encouraged. This is the word for the Holy Spirit. Parakalesis. The encouragement, comfort, and exhortation of the Holy Spirit. Comfort, because we all need it somewhere along the line, right? Like after my sermon, some of you might need comfort. I'll be up here to pray with you. Uh, Oh, well. Or, I need the encouragement. You can do this. By the way, can I just say that? You have the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, you can do this. You can. The encouragement, the comfort, and the exhortation of the Holy Spirit. Exhortation. Exhortation says, come on, get up and do this. Stop that. Stop whining. Get up and do it. Somehow, this, this early church was built up full of the fear and awe. Here's the word, literally, if you translate, dread, respect, awe, terror. That's a translation of the word phobos. And encouraged at the same time. Paracalesis, encouragement, comfort, and exhortation. So here's my first question. How come we don't look like that? How come when things go south, you got to blame the pastor because it's his job to fix everything? We hired that pastor. He didn't fix it. He didn't turn this into a mega church in three weeks. We ought to fire him. By the way, I'm not complaining at anybody. I'm just saying this happens all over our country. Oh, the CEO of some corporation, everything declined, you fire him. Next guy comes in, he's still dealing with a declining situation. What's he going to do? He doesn't pull the nose up, they fire him. They get No wonder it's just... But the church, it says, was able to build itself up encourage one another, speak life to each other, challenge each other, build one another up, encourage, uh, correct. And by the way, that's something we'll have to talk about. Because not only do I have to learn how, I have to learn how to receive it. I have to learn how to receive correction as well. So I always wonder about that. Why are we so often uh, without power? Why is there so little joy Why do we look so different? Is there something missing in our DNA? You know a verse that scares me to death sometimes? I think about being with Jesus. You ever think about what it was like to be with Jesus? Have you ever read like gospel accounts and thought, I wonder what it would have been like to be there when that happened? Anybody feel that ever? At least five people. Yeah. So, Yes, I think a lot of us do, right? We read that and go, man, what, what, would, what did Peter feel like right there? What did Philip feel like right there? Right? You wonder, what, how well would I have done? You know, we look at Peter, what a numbskull, right? He's always doing something wrong till we act like that. And we go, oh, I get Peter now, <laughs> you know. So at one point, there's 5,000 people. In another case, there's 4,000 people. And it was the second time, I believe, one of the disciples comes to Jesus and says, what are we going to do with all these people? We're out in the wilderness. We've got to, you better send them to the Circle K, you know. Go, let them go get some food. Go, Hannaford. All right, it's Hannaford around here. Send them somewhere. They've got to start moving now. And Jesus turns to them. I love this. He goes, you give them something to eat. I'd have left town right there, you know. Right? You give them something. Us? I think Jesus meant it. I don't think he was pulling their leg. I think he meant it. Give them something to eat. 
because he knew what he was going to do. And the disciple who said, well, we've got a few of these things, but how, much, how good is that with all of these people? Huh, Jesus? How's that going to work for all these people? He knew that Jesus was going to take care of it. When he said, give them something to eat, he was saying, are you going to trust me or not? Because I'm going to do it. That has to do with where I got convicted. I'll tell you that next week because I'm going to run out of time because I'm such a big mouth. Okay. Why do we look so different? That's my first question. I wonder if it has something to do with what I'm about to share with you. Verse number two. Anybody know what the gospel says? What's the gospel? Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. Anybody know what the word gospel means? Good news. Well, how is it good news? Can can I just... When I think about us talking so many times about the gospel in our present culture, the response is a yawn. Good news, good news about what? Are you, you, you going to get my bills paid? Are you going to, you know, am I going to get a new car out of this? Am I going to get a big degree? You know, I'm going to be able to get a great job. I mean, that's, is that what the good news is? There's, it's like, why is it good news? How is it good news? He comes preaching the good news, and here's what it says. The time is at hand. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. What? What does he say? Who does he think he is? Oh, he thinks he's Jesus. That's right. He's God. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus often encounters people. By the way, uh, Pastor Tim and our staff this week, we were talking, and he pulled up this book just to aggravate me. It's called The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Anybody ever heard of that guy? Yeah, he's got a few good things to say. And so when you read it, one of the things he's concerned about is our wrong way of looking at things. Jesus commanded people often, follow me. We get that mixed up with saying a prayer, whatever that means. The call to Christianity is a call to follow Jesus. Following him. After our tension, you know, we get tension about who's in and who's out because we have a wrong story. I'm going to read something to you in just a minute. But let me show you another verse that kind of backs this up. Oh, wait, back up a second, Ryan. I I blew it. I made you move too fast. In between Jesus and the early church in the book of Acts, there's a whole bunch of drama that happens because the gospel was delivered to who first? The Jews. And they knew how spiritual people were supposed to look and act. And then all these Gentiles, which is most of you, not all of you, we do have some Jewish friends here, that's wonderful. But most of us are Gentiles, right? They start becoming Christians, followers of Jesus, and they don't look and act the way all the Jewish community did. And so there's a drama in the early church, there's tension What is necessary to be a follower of Jesus? Do I have to keep the law of Moses? Do I have to do all of those rules? Whatever it might happen to be. There's drama. And after the drama and a big discussion at the the Jerusalem Council as they sort out what is the essential of the gospel, here's what is said at the very end as, as, 
as uh, Paul and Silas are defending their work among the Gentiles, it goes like this. When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God. What does that mean, they glorified God? They honored God and said, he's right, we're wrong. He's right, we're wrong. That's how you glorify God. He's right, we're wrong. I heard a guy that I don't recommend his teaching anymore, but once he said some really good things. And he used to say, when we admit our fault, when we admit our sin, then God doesn't get blamed with the consequences. Oh, it is good. And we need to take that to heart so that God does not have to be carrying the consequences of what we've done wrong. They glorify God, saying, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the four steps to peace with God. No, oh, wait a minute, no. The wonderful life that God has, no. The uh, purpose-driven life, no. Although that's true. He has also granted to the Gentiles what? What? Repentance that leads to life. Transformational. <clears throat> Let me read two things from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Cheap grace is the deadly enemy of our church. We are fighting today for costly grace. Cheap grace means grace sold on the market like cheap jacks wares. The sacraments, the forgiveness of sin, the consolations of religion are thrown away at cut prices. Cheap grace is the preaching... Listen to the, If you don't listen to anything else I've said today, listen to this one. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ. Oops. Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Let me flesh it out a little bit more. John Ortberg, who is an author that I absolutely love and highly recommend any of his books, was writing in Why Disciples of Jesus Wouldn't Wash Their Hands in Christianity Today back in 1994, this article. Shows you how, long I'm, how old I am, anyway, how long I've been around. When Jesus said our righteousness must exceed that of the religious leaders, remember when he said to his disciples, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Don't you think you should take that seriously? How can I be more righteous than those people? They are very religious. Very. I mean, they tithe how much salt they get in their house and how much cumin and mint. and That's gesundheit. That's serious. Listen to this. He was actually setting the bar remarkably low. <laughs> True righteousness is precisely what they had hardly any of. It was all show. It was image management. See how spiritual I am? And their hearts were far from God. That was his point. Some of us think, well, my heart's close to God. Yeah? Really? I want to push on it a little bit. I want us to think. I have some questions here. How come we don't look like some of this? In our day, however, I think this is part of it, we too rarely frame the invitation to Christianity the way Jesus did. Follow me. 
to a large extent, we have replaced follow me with, are you clear about how to get to heaven when you die? The inevitable inevitable consequence of that following is considered desirable, but optional. Like snow tires and rear window defoggers, we think in the categories of heaven-bound and hell-bound, which tend to be static. We tend to have disputes centered on clarifying the boundaries, like what are the minimal requirements for getting into heaven? You see, if you're parked there, you're already losing it. You're already deceived. Oh, well, I think I took care of what's necessary. Is that? That's why I run into so many people. You're supposed to be a follower of Jesus. It doesn't look like you've had a conversation with him in 15 years. Because if you had, he'd be pointing some things out. He won't leave me alone. How come you get off? <laughs> Still in the process, amen? All of us. See, It's not about a magic prayer. It's about a whole new trajectory. In the book of Acts, remember when the disciples were put in jail and the angels let them out? They said, don't be afraid. Go over there into the temple. Tell all the people about this. Get this. Tell all the people about the purpose-driven life or the four steps to peace with God. No. Tell all the people about this life. That's what he says, this life. It's a whole new trajectory for your whole life. I'm just asking a question. That's all I'm doing. Could it be that we have Jesus as an extra credit card in our wallet? We add him to our life the way we want to run it. And oh, and by the way, I've got him over here. Oh, thank God I'm on my way to heaven because I've got this. Really? A whole new trajectory. You're still transformed. You don't retire from this, ever. Yawn. So my question becomes, why is it so often so boring? Why? Can I be blunt? Why am I so boring? It's how I feel sometimes. I feel boring. I look at my neighbors that I've been trying to make eye contact with for four years, five years, and they're like, don't get near him, he's one of those, you know. Something goes a JW, you know, I go, he's one of those. Finally, we make some progress, I think, boy, I'm pretty boring. Ever feel that way? Maybe there's something missing in our DNA. If I'm following him, why do I look like I've had no serious conversation? Why am I in all the places he isn't? And why am I not in the places where he is? What's missing? So if I'm not and I'm... Why, why is it that, that the gospel doesn't transform the way we saw some of these people transform? The disciples were filled with joy. And the church continued to grow. And they built themselves up in the fear of the Lord. And you can put those together, friends. Just like if you have a healthy parental relationship. I feared my parental relationship. If I was being a naughty person, I might have some consequences. I had fear of that. But I was also greatly encouraged and built up. That's what was happening. How come 
Only a couple of people maybe have to do this job. Seems to me it's bigger than that. Maybe there's something missing in our DNA. Just question. I'm just asking a question. That's all. Not meaning any trouble. Much. And maybe I'm a little old-fashioned. But how come everything now has to be treated with some kind of medication, some kind of uh, whatever it is when God moved in on people and totally rescued them and changed them? Where is that power? It's just a question. Are we missing something? I'm going to tell you the answer next week. I'm not telling you today. Because I said this was my question day. I'm asking you, what do you think is missing in our DNA? And by the way, just like you sent me um, questions, you can send me answers. And if you have the answer, the answer, I'll pay you for it. No, I'm not kidding. (laughs) What do you think? What is amiss in the church in America? What's What's amiss in ours? What's missing from our DNA? Because if you start thinking about it, we might have to fix something. There's a radical idea. What do you think? Yes, Pastor John. Okay, let's stand and we will be dismissed in prayer. We are thoroughly dependent upon you, God. That doesn't mean that you have to come along and pick us up out of our beds and out of our chairs and move us out into the world every day. That's nonsense, and we know it. We don't expect to stay employed if we don't get up and go to work and do a decent job for our employer. Fading as it may be today, we still know better. Deep down, we know better. Why do we treat your kingdom that way? as though you're going to come down angelically and just move us forward. Would you grant, even in this week, some percolation in our thinking? Yeah, what is it? What is it that I'm missing? What is it that we're missing? What is it that the church in America is missing? Why don't we see a little more? Oh, well, it's not the book of Acts anymore. It's still the same church. You're still building your church, whether rapidly or slowly. Lord, there are other countries we could go to and we could see thousands of people coming to faith every month and radically turned around. And then there's where we live. Admittedly, it's a little harder, but with you, all things are possible. If you raise the dead... You can certainly raise us. Would you help us as an assembly in these days ahead? We're excited to see what you're trying to do and what you want to do. In the great name of Jesus, we pray, asking for mercy and angelic protection over your people in this coming week. In Jesus' name, we ask it. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. You are dismissed.